On this Aviation Special, we take a look at the impact of the coronavirus the outbreak has had on both live staging and events, and both from a health standpoint as well as a financial standpoint, and how you can protect yourself both physically and financially in this crisis. All that and more next on this Aviation Special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an AV Nation special. The impact of the coronavirus on live staging and events. It's Tom Albright with AV Nation. Uh, we're doing an AV Nation special on the coronavirus. Um, before we even go down any further road, before I introduce my fantastic guest, this is not to scare anybody, right? Uh, I think I went when I emailed uh, these these fantastic folks. This is not to cause alarm. What this really is about is about the live staging and events uh, industry, and the folks. A lot of our folks and a lot of our audience are involved in this industry. Some pretty significant uh, events have been have been canceled and pulled. Some folks are are pulling out of other events. Um, the European Union, parts of the European Union have said, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to have anything over 5,000 people. Um, the UK actually said, we're, not, we're going against that trend, uh, and we'll post that up. So to talk about this and, and to give us all some, some, uh, some calming effects and some ideas here, first and foremost, my new, my new friend, uh, Lindsay Martin uh, Bilberry. She is from Nifty Method Marketing and Events. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. It's so nice to be on the show, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, and some older uh, friends. Some, I've known these people longer, not older friends. Tom Stimson <laughs> <laughs> from the Stimson Group. How are you, sir? Nice save. I try. Uh, and also Wallace Johnson, uh, who is the host of our show, uh, Live Life, but also the editor-in-chief of AV Matters. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be on this side. Uh, yeah. So so let's <laughs> let's kind of start with this, guys. Uh, we, we mentioned the fact that a number of events have been canceled. Uh, those of us in the, on the commercial and residential side of AV kind of lived through the first wave of this wave of this wave of this with ISE Integrated Systems Europe, which did not cancel. During ISE, though, um, the World Mobile Congress decided it was canceling uh, in uh, in ISE's new home, Barcelona. Um, in a, in addition to that, uh, Adobe Summit they they pulled out. Um, coming up here in the next couple of weeks, we're recording this on the 6th of March, you have South by Southwest in Austin, which is close to where both Lindsay and, and, uh, and Tom are. Tom's in Dallas, Lindsay's in Fort Worth. Do not get those two uh, interchanged. I've learned that over the years. Uh, but those events, uh, South by Southwest, some, some tech folks have, have pulled out, but it's not completely gone. Um, still over in the commercial side of, of AV, you've got Enterprise Connect in, um, as well as DSC Digital Signage Expo happening the first week of, of, of April. NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, happens uh, shortly after that as well. Um, Lindsay, I'm going to start with you on this because you and I both had events canceled this week. Uh, we did. Yeah, Lindsay was actually in Miami. Then they decided to, to uh, cancel the event while she was there. Um, we at Aviation are helping uh, Almo and their E4 events, uh, their, their what was four events, um, they canceled the Santa Clara event, which is the first one, which was supposed to happen the 13th of, of April. The reason that was canceled was because of California did something interesting the other day, and they declared a state of emergency yeah. and, and travel advisory. So, Lindsay, the first thing I want to talk about here is 
what do we say to folks? What do we say to these, these professionals, these event professionals, as they're walking into what is traditionally a very busy time that is now filled with uncertainty? I mean, there's a lot of different organizations who you can see it from the brand perspective because there's a lot of different people who are involved in the coming together event, right? There's the AV side, there's the event professional side, there's the agencies that help put it all together. There's the suppliers. There's a hundred million different groups inside the events ecosystem. And I think what we're seeing from a trend perspective, one of our favorite event prof websites right now is, is it canceled yet.com. And it's kind of a really funny just outline of some of the big hits and user conferences because this is prime time for user conferences. And we're seeing a lot of tech companies cancel. Mobile World Congress is a great example of it. More than 50% of their audience was coming from Asia Pacific. And at that point in time with the information that they had, some of the exhibitors were pulling out like all of those different pieces. And I think that trend around some of these other cancellations, it's the same thing. We're hearing from my peer group, it's about 50-50. The event profs are like, the insurance doesn't necessarily cover this, but we're going to do what we can with what we have. And we're urging people to just take it day by day. And in some cases, hour by hour, because I know the conference I was at, at last week, which was Zendesk Relate, their major user conference, they didn't have, I mean, they had 43 people when they first sent the initial email out say, okay, we're pulling out. And then most of Europe was on an airplane when they sent the invite uh, cancellation 24 hours before. So we're telling the event profs, just relax. And in some of this, we're going to figure out how we can do it. But it is, it is affecting a lot of people financially. And I think that's the bigger concern. It's easy to say we can relax and, and not be as panicked about all this work we've put into it. But the amount of money that we've invested from the supplier perspective, if we cancel with less than two to four weeks, that's a tremendous amount of food and beverage we've already committed to. We've got room blocks that we've committed to. We've got airlines that a lot of customers, especially if you're looking at a small business or medium-sized business, they can't afford to lose that money and they're invested to coming to it. So you're, you're fighting the fire on several fronts in addition to now going, well, what do we do with this event? Do we live stream it? we're not even set up to live stream. So, I mean, that's a, a lot of answers in a lot of different ways that says, we don't know. We're taking it hour by hour too. Yeah, absolutely. Wallace, uh, Wallace, in addition to being the editor of AB Matters, he does this uh, on, on a um, contract basis. He's a freelance uh, producer, uh, event producer. I actually saw him last week at, in, uh, in Dallas for BLC. What is the immediate, immediate impact, right? What, what uh, of the community, like, like Lindsay was saying, take this day by day, but what happens if you're, you know, part of, a, of an event that either has full cancellation or just you're, you're being pulled out, right? The, the sponsors are pull, being pulled out, but the event organizers saying we're still going on and you're still trying to get paid not only for the last one, but you're trying to look and say, okay, I might be, have, I might have a free week here. How do I fill that? Because this is how these folks make money. Yeah, I think that's the part um, a lot of freelancers are trying to figure out now with event cancellations is they're seeing them fall off and, you know, there's not anything that's new that's sitting out there waiting to fill that gap because, you know, shows fill up months and months out. Um, and so I think it's, you know, looking back at how uh, there's a lot of veterans in the event, but there's also a lot of new freelancers out there that um, or learning, you know, the freelance best practice of, you know, make sure you have a rainy day fund for when situations like this happen just out of normal cancellations, but now in this mass cancellation situation, um, and, and guys are, they're, 
they're going to be sitting around. Um, there's going to be freelancers out there that there's a ton of them canceling weeks, you know, out, out now, ton of international shows have canceled on freelancers of uh, road shows and, um, in the medical and car industry that I've, I've been hearing. So, um, no, it's a, it's a buckle up period that, uh, a lot of them are saying they'll get through the wave and the veterans that have prepared and saved their rainy day fund, uh, to work through this, uh, will be ready. And the new ones that, have uh, been living off the high economy of a lot of book business and seeing future dollars coming in and didn't position uh, themselves financially to be prepared or, or going to struggle during this uh, this period. So um, biggest things are probably checking back in their local markets, seeing yeah. what's happening and checking with different labor brokers and seeing if they can get in on some of those things to fill gap dates. But it's definitely going to be a uh, financial hit from a uh, income standpoint. Tightening of their force majeure contract, I would think, that clause. Freelance, yeah. if you don't have it yet, put it in. Yeah, I think from a business in general, you know, looking at that component in your yeah. contracts. Um, what, um, I, can, you, can you define that for me? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with that. So force majeure contract clauses are basically acts of God. When the Boston terrorist bombing happened a few years ago, there were three major shows going on inside the convention center, and it basically shut everything down while the manhunt was happening. But there were people who were sheltering inside the convention center who couldn't get back to the hotels. And then for one to two weeks after, Boston was paralyzed. And so everybody's contracts updated for terrorism and some of the, what could be considered domestic acts of war. Like, so every time there's a major crisis that could be considered like this, it's fell under, but like SARS, H1N1, and some of the other previous diseases haven't necessarily had this big of a yeah. rippling impact. And so infectious diseases, as many of my peer groups have been finding out, is not covered at this point in time by a standard force majeure. And there's nowhere else to fit it in because what else is this except something that you would quantify under? Like a normal indemnification clause isn't gonna help you here. No. Tom, I found interesting that, that both you and Lindsay were shaking your head vigorously when Wallace said, make sure you, you've got a rainy day fund for this. If, well, if you're, if, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're a, a, um, a seasoned veteran, as it were, as Mr. Johnson is, you, know, um, you most likely have that. But if you're just getting into this, how do you, how would you advise someone to, to weather this storm? Is it kind of what Wallace said, go back to your local, like you, you work local for the next, you know, couple months as this kind of blows over? Well, yeah. So the, if you're a veteran, we're really talking freelancers here. If you're a veteran freelancer, you already know what to do and hopefully you married well. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the key to successful free, freelancing is to marry well. Um, but what they and, and yeah, sure. There's work they can drop down to. There's work that they can get hired for that they wouldn't normally do, that sort of thing. But most of them are going to take the time to fit in that vacation, take the vacation a little bit early. Um, they're all mostly involved in pre-pro anyway at the higher end level. But if you're a if you're a workaday freelancer, as I was for many years, where you're just hoping every week that more gigs come in for that week and you're working locally, you know it's going to be tough. Um, so figure out what your second income stream is and you have more time for that i used to remodel houses uh, great time to be doing that or so, talk about it in a different way oh i'm yeah. sorry no you're fine you're go fine go ahead yeah i mean the thing about it is is like we still need av professionals here especially the freelancers like the digital live streaming world anyone who has an audio engineering background around that it's not for everyone but there are a lot of options and opportunities 
to at least do some outreach and the new ones yeah. will have more trouble. I think Tom disagrees with me. But. Yeah. Yeah. Because what you were talking about is freelancers can't create market for themselves. Right. So the people who are hiring them are not going to hire them because their pipeline just went away. So they're working for a middleman producer, event planner, AV company. And those people have their own internal resources. that are going to get better utilized right now because they don't need freelancers. So, Having a diversification of skill sets is important, but in the on the AV side of events, um, the, uh, the the freelance community is at the end of the food chain. If there's no events, there's no work for them. So let me ask you this, Tom, because you, you we we've talked kind of veered here into the into the freelance part. Let's bring this back into uh, where a lot of our folks and, and folks that I personally know that they, they this is their business, right? Uh, here locally in St. Louis, we've got a pretty significant AV integrator that has a live staging and events arm. Let's talk about not freelancers, but folks who have contracts. And like Lindsay said, we, yes, we have acts of God in, in those mm -hmm. contracts. This is not, you know, we, we can let the lawyers argue this out if we want, but this is not necessarily an act of God. So if you have work on the books and you're, you're budgeting for this, what do you do now? Well, let's first of all, let's clarify who Acts of God benefits. It benefits the event buyer, the person who's buying, not the receiver. Yeah. So it, does, it doesn't help the, the AV company out at all, the, the, the production rental company out at all. Um, unless force majeure kicks in, which means that the buyer's insurance will now cover some of the costs, which means that as a supplier, I can get some of my costs covered. Um, the fact of the matter is, while we write a contracts and agreements with most of our clients, at the end of the day, they have whoever they are have more attorneys than we do, and you're, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna recover. So the best thing to do is know uh, one have some good terms and conditions up front. Get you know in the future, don't think about a fifty percent deposit. Think about progress billing. Okay. Um, get more money in more steps along the way. Like any contractor, if you were remodeling your house, you're not going to write one check at the end of the, of the thing. So think about that because the money that you that they pay up front is going to cover the costs that you have going into the event. But the big issue is that a lot of these people now have lost revenue. They can't replace it. You know, events don't automatically fill in. There's not a whole bunch of other events waiting for a supplier. Um, it generally means that people are going to have down weeks. So what do we do when we have slow periods? And if we're expecting to be busy, we tend to react differently than if we knew we were going to be slow. So it's getting those owners and those managers just to shift your mindset and say, hey, does some of that stuff we were going to do in July when we're dead, we need to do it now. Yeah. And changing your mindset. On the finance side, um, you know, I deal mostly with owners. They're calling me, asking about options, and I'm reminding them of the basics. You have an accounts receivable. Um, that's already too big. You need to be calling people and collecting some money, yeah. right? You have accounts payable where you could talk to folks about giving you a little extended credit. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that you can do. You can talk to your bank or leasing company or even your, you know, the person who owns your building about postponing if you're having a cash flow crunch. But all of that is to say, if you're having those problems, you weren't doing the right business in the first place. It's like being the freelancer who didn't have a safety net. Yeah. So here are businesses that went into their season and they have no safety net and they're counting on the next six weeks in order to have six weeks after that. And that's a, that's a, that's a problem that's, you're always at risk yeah. if you don't run a good business. So that's, I can't help all of those people, 
But the people who know they're going to survive and get through this and continue to do business, there are things that they can be doing right now that are positive and helpful. Okay. Like talking about streaming with their like, clients who yeah, are exactly. going to be ready for it. Diversification and like the AV, the events AV person who can do more than just one thing is always a better fit for an event professional anyways, because mm -hmm. so much of the AV industry has become very conglomerate driven. And many of us use other third parties that we work with just for the simple fact if we use the in-house, we, we spend so much money and there's already so many other things. And that's before you even get the unions involved, right? And there's a cost that goes because you've got competency along with it. But it's just like when the recession hit, we, that was the whole reason we are now marketing and events because the bottom dropped out. And so we're facing a number of different groups because we have a speakers group too. And so how do you take the thing that you do and shift it so that it's done in multiple platforms? Because people still need that human connection. And I would think to Tim's earliest point about don't be hysterical around this. One of the best things we can do as an industry is say, we are still here just because we can't necessarily see you right here with 2,500 of your closest friends. This is still happening. And it's important for us as customers, as owners, as the event planners putting it on as the AV guys running the video camera in the back of the room, rather than all the way back in the video village. Right. We're still here together weathering this because the show must go on no matter what. Uh, as we kind of wrap up here, guys, I want to get each of your perspectives on this. Um, if you if you were advising the, the folks um, ahead of the next, let's say, two to three months, and understand none of us know what, what's going to happen with, with the, the, the coronavirus or the COVID-19, whichever version you, you choose, um, you're looking at NAB which happens the first week of, of April. You're looking at Enterprise Connect, which again happens um, at March to April's timeframe, or Cisco Ignite, or the, the Microsoft event. Um, not even to, anything to say about Infocom, uh, who is also already planning to do some streaming. Um, we're doing some work with them on, on that. Not because of, of Corona, but they were already planning on it, the number of events. Tom and I are going to be with PSNI in a couple of weeks, and we're going to stream uh, one of our sessions there, just like we did last year. Wallace, we'll start with you on this. How are you, how are you advising them, and, and why uh, are you advising them? Should they hold these shows? Well, you figure most of these shows are serving a community of people. Um, and so I think you have to be proactive in reaching out to that community um, from the attendee perspective, from the sponsors who are supporting that event, and really get their feedback and listen if they feel comfortable having um, a good experience at the event. Because if, if you're still going to put on the event, people are still making the investment in hotels, travel, food, and everything else to come out to this event. Um, so you don't want to lose that experience of saying, wow, I wish I really didn't show up to this because it was really bad. So if, if you do it, um, one, you got to do it differently, you know, talked about it with some streaming components and interactivity and, and just, you know, and educate people of how they can have a great experience if you decide to still put on that event. And if you're deciding to do it differently with some remote experience and some live experience, how do you balance that out to where both parties win? Um, and again, from a sponsor standpoint, if they're still supporting and contributing, how can you help them get engaged with an audience who half of it may not be there anymore? Yeah. Um, so that face-to-face -face that's been promoted and, and pushed over the years is now gone. So, um, you know, it, it really is about just thinking differently and then getting feedback from the uh, key stakeholders in the community uh, from both sides of sponsors and attendees to decide 
does it make sense for us to still put this event on? And if so, do we do it in the same way? Okay. Tom, same kind of question. How, how are you advising folks? Hi. So my, my audience doesn't typically put the event on, but I'm helping them advise their clients who do. So when they're, and, and they're all afraid to call their clients right now and even bring up the subject of cancellation, like that's somehow going to postpone it. And I'm going, no, if they're going to, no, you're bringing so it up. It's not going to make them. If your clients don't mention it, they, they're, they're not thinking of it. Are you talking about it, y'all? We be talking. Right. So I said, if they're going to cancel the event, at least find out sooner than later, right? But um, advise them, if they're having questions, is that you have to look at three factors. How public is the event versus how private is the event versus the size of the event? A small private event is really not at risk. A large public event is. Now, South by Southwest is interesting because it's a whole bunch of little tiny events all in the same place. Right. Okay, and it is public. So, yeah, I understand. I don't blame anybody who for keeping the event going because there is also a personal choice. Here's what we can do as event planners to help keep the environment safe. But the fact is, until the government puts in some sort of public protection, you should continue with business as usual. I've got an event. I'm, I produce an event. It's in May. We're business as usual. And no, we're not going to stream it because that's not a live event. All right. Very good. Lindsay, last word on this. How, how are you advising folks? I mean, for us, it's day by day and it, it's, it depends, right? I think that's the, it's exactly to Tom's point. Like it depends on who you are. It depends on who your customers are. It depends on the culture of the people coming. Like some of the largest festivals with some of the worst hygiene out there is still going on because it, it is like there are a lot of things going on but then you see some of the brands reacting in a very different way and the association space has been startling because I mean from a revenue perspective that's 50 to 65 percent of their money right so we're seeing a lot of postponements and a lot of ooh, let's see what it is but if you run a 25 to 50,000 person event the kind of space you need I don't care how big Vegas is. Like everybody can't come in October. It's just not realistic. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you really need to sit down and have some difficult conversations. But I think one of the things I would advise and we have been talking to is talk to everyone. Talk to your speakers bureaus, your professional speakers, all of your suppliers, your customers, not just your board of directors. Like it, it tends to be some more smaller groups that are making yeah. choices. And as an industry, this really is very much bigger than just the four people who are probably sitting in your war room. And it can't just be about profit. Some of it is going to be the long-term status of your event because odds are you don't just run one, you run several. Absolutely. All right, guys, thank you so much. That'll, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you all. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wallace Johnson, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or AV Matters? Oh, you can find us at www.av-matters.com and wallace at avmatters.com. Mr. Stimson. And I, of course, have Tom at trstimson.com. Stop on by. All right, very good. Lindsay, how do people get a hold of you or Nifty? You can find us at niftymethod.com or on any of the social channels at that social channel slash Nifty Method. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't uh, follow me on the Twitters, uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including our two weekly programs, one that looks at the commercial side of the AV industry, one that looks at the residential side. And I mentioned Wallace does our live staging events show called The Live Live. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That is all the time we have.